I shaved my beard around my mustache, right? So I have a proper mustache now. Uh-huh. And it's been a very interesting experience. I mean, people at work have seen a mustache in the past, but like today I went and nobody said anything except for one person. And it was like one person who I'm cool with and comfortable with. They're like, oh, rocking the mustache, I see. You know, they're like kind of having fun with it, which is what I was hoping more people would do. Uh-huh. But my suspicion is most people are scared to ask why the fuck I have a mustache right now? <laughs> Maybe it's this. Maybe it's that the mustache suits you so damn well that people didn't even notice that there was something different about you. It's just natural, yeah, Brian. A, Maybe this is just my look. Like yeah. I actually met strangers today. I had a, a couple of video calls with people I hadn't met before. And of course, they're not going to say anything. But then I was like, damn, these people's first impression of me is guy with a mustache. Guy who intentionally chose to have a mustache. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Welcome to episode 398 of the Design Details Podcast. I'm Brian Lovin. And I'm Marshall Black. Welcome back for another episode. Brian, I hope you're doing well. Hanging in. You know, we get to these Monday evening recordings and uh, it's been a long day, but I'm excited to chat design. Yeah, yeah. Okay, we've got a big outline. Let's get right in. So first of all, huge shout outs to Around. Around is just a superior video call tool that reduces the fatigue of just staring at yourself or app switching all the time when you're trying to get work done. It is a video call tool that is designed for collaboration, not for meetings. Designers love it. We love it. We're using it right now. It's a gorgeous, simple, easy to use product. You should check it out at around.co slash design details. Thank you, Around. Thanks, Around. We also have some new, very important pixels this week coming into the fold. Hey. Welcome to the fan. Come on in. Water's warm. <laughs> Enjoy your first sidebar this week. It's going to be a good one. Yeah. Huge shout outs to Mark Huser, Stephanie, Francis Cortez, Frederick Rooming, Ethan Machado, or Machado, Machado, one of the two, Ethan Machado, and Ludens Tran. Welcome to the fan. Welcome. Thanks, everybody. Yeah, thanks. Be sure to catch uh, your first sidebar. Go grab that from from the Patreon feed if you haven't subscribed already. If you didn't know, we're a listener-supported podcast, which means that listeners like you, yes, you, even if it's your first time listening or you've been around and been listening for years at this point, people like you are making it possible for us to record every single week. This happens on Patreon at patreon.com slash design details. For just a dollar a month, if you support us, you get access to a bonus segment every single week called The Sidebar. Sidebar, sidebar. Sidebar is basically a bonus episode. It's like a second main topic. Every single week, you get them back to back with each new episode. It'll be an extra listener question or just an extra deep dive into some topic, tip, trick, tool, something that we're enjoying in the design space. Today, we're talking all about the hierarchy of helpfulness, aka how to level up as a designer in your job. So if you want to hear that, all of the past sidebars and get access to bonus segments going forward. Go to patreon.com slash design details. Just a buck a month. 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 <laughs> so thanks everyone for supporting the show this week. We'll catch you in the sidebar. All right, let's get into it. Cool. Marshall, a little bit of follow-up. Yeah. 
So last week I embarrassed myself with the cold <laughs> open, right? No, I think you earned some new respect from listeners with that one. Okay. I, from, from me, certainly. Yeah. I, I wonder if I startled anybody. Like, I wonder if, you know, Is we kind of have yeah. a, a vibe, like a routine. Yeah, yeah, and I wonder yeah. if someone hit play on that episode and was like, oh, what, what have I gotten myself into? Yeah, it was a pretty harsh intro. Yeah. If you it weren't ready for it, <laughs> you kind of mm-hmm. have to. Okay. So last week, it's kind of making fun of these like overly enthusiastic workout trainers on Apple Fitness. Mm -hmm. I have a little bit of follow-up. One, I've tried more of the trainers on Apple Fitness. Not all of them are as bad. Some of them are just too much, and then some are more chill. I can't find a pattern. It's just they have, you know, like five or six trainers, or at least for the exercises I'm doing, and some of them are cool. Some of them are just too much, (laughs) but it's nice. They have so much content, you can like basically pick a trainer and kind of, roll along with them. But we also got a couple of suggestions. We got a DM from Clean Scotland who recommended a YouTube channel, which I'll link to in the show notes, called Growing Ananas. I don't know if that's the correct pronunciation. I watched the trailer clip on the channel and it is basically not talking. So what this person had done was actually pretty cool. It's it's a lady who's doing these workout tutorials, but she just designed her own HUD that's like on top of the video with mm. a timer It'll like overlay, you know, here's the next workout and the overlay will include a preview of her doing the workout. So you can, it's like a visual explanation for it, right? Uh It's pretty cool. It's just like nice, really well-designed actually visual signifiers and and all that kind of stuff. You could probably figure it out even if you didn't speak English or whatever language. Oh, 100%. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Which is honestly very smart. Makes it uh, scalable. Yep. (laughs) Localizable by default. Okay. Um, We also got another recommendation from Garrett Camella who recommended or who tweeted at us that I love the hot take about fitness instructors being a little more real. Check out a product called 8Fit. It's the number eight and then fit. Great instructors and also great product design. Uh, this is not an endorsement of 8Fit, but maybe it's good. So for anyone else who wants to check that out, link in the show notes. All right. We also talked last week about elephant paths, and we heard from listener Ool Albert, who said, Today I learned elephant paths is another term for desire paths or desire lines. I didn't realize it went by so many different names. And then he has a screenshot of about 10 different names for the same thing, including Cowpath, which you had you had heard it from that name. It's all the same thing, but there's a bunch of different yeah. names for it. I like goat track. There's goat track, pig trail, <laughs> use trail, bootleg trail. Bootleg all trail, right, yeah. Sure. <laughs> it's good. Social it's trail. Like, let's, just, let's just rally our own, y'all. Come on. Pig trail, use trail. Yule also had a, a link to a 99% invisible episode on the same topic, so we'll have a link to that in the show notes. Uh, yeah, and I think last point of follow-up here, I've, I'm going to admit something, which I think you're going to be on the same page as me, Marshall. We had a tweet from... Maximilian Pires, who said, although the mature product distinction does bring to mind my mind the innovator's dilemma of being held hostage by your user's feedback and what have you, mm-hmm. my admission here is I've never read The Innovator's Dilemma. Oh, I've never heard of it until now. So I guess uh, I'm aware of the trolley dilemma or whatever. The yeah, trolley this problem. is very different. No, this is very okay. different. Um, Innovator's Dilemma, Clayton Christensen, like I think I know the the gist. I just never, I haven't actually read it. It's basically talking about like why big companies just fail to like invent new things. And you can basically point to Facebook as a really good example. Like they had all this innovation early on and then it just becomes way harder to invent new things. And so they end up sort of copycatting or as Maximilian is pointing out, like you become 
uh, held hostage by your users' feedback. Like you have so many customers mm. that it becomes really hard to try anything new because there's so many competing interests. Mm. And so then some new young buck upstart comes along and steals one slice of that market and can move faster with less constriction and, and ends up winning the market. Yeah. So, I mean, you got this innovator's dilemma, you know, you're held hostage by your users and then you're your users get arrested for holding hostage. They get sent to prison, and then you have the whole prisoner's dilemma thing. You know, it's just too many dilemmas, Brian. Just dil- yeah, dilemmas all the way down. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I hope I didn't misrepresent the book. I should probably read it. I hear it's good, but yeah, check uh, it out. Let's see if there's an audible anyways, for it. Yeah, thanks all for for the tweets. All right, main topic time. Okay, Marshall. so I've had this blog post brewing in my head for probably a year. And I'm not sure exactly what it will end up looking like or how to properly articulate what I have in my mind. So I thought we could sort of rubber duck debug this and just talk about a concept that's on my mind. I've already got the title of the blog post, okay? The title is going to be Proof of Curiosity. Okay. And the point that I want to make is here is the thing that will make you stand apart from everybody else in your industry, but in particular in design, in your portfolio, when you're interviewing at companies, it is the proof of curiosity that takes people from a good candidate to a great candidate. I want to work with this person. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, I don't know, I wanted to run this by you. Like I have I have a couple thoughts about like what that means. So let me hit you with that and then you can give me some feedback and we'll see what comes to mind. Sure. So basically, if if you have to compare two candidates who on paper look equally great for a job. They both have great backgrounds. They have great portfolios. They're thorough designers. Like you're going to make an offer to one of them either way. Who should win? Well, for me, I think this concept of proof of curiosity is all about how do they go above and beyond or, or, or one layer deeper beyond the surface to like get at some more interesting truth. Like, is this person the kind of person who lays awake at night just wondering why things are the way they are. Like, why is software the way it is today? And I find that these people are often tweeting or they're writing or they're creating videos or they're writing tutorials. They are scratching their own itch with side projects, right? They're they're trying to make things because they just have this thing in their brain that they can't articulate in any other way than to just go and create something. And I don't think everybody has that proof. I think a lot of people have great portfolios that are like, I showed up and did the job. And that's totally fine. But again, if you're like comparing two equally good people, um, I think it's this proof that you've gone deeper or care about the underworkings of something. Yeah. That stands out in my mind. So how does that hit you? Yeah, no, this is great. Yeah, it really is the difference between someone who can't turn it off and someone who has to turn it on. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, ooh, I like that. Yeah. yeah. I just came up with that right now, but I'm pretty proud of it. That was good. That was poetic. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, those are the people that I want to work with, the people who ping me at 7 p.m. with like uh, a bug that they found in the app or like you know something like, hey, have you seen this? Like, Check out this fucked up thing I found. Or like, oh, wouldn't it be cool if we did this? Check out my prototype or whatever. Uh, that they yeah. just don't decide. That's the person I want to work with, not somebody who's just like checking the boxes. Yeah. Checking I, the boxes is great too, by the way. Like, you, yeah, exactly. Everybody like, has to check the boxes, but I want more than that, Brian. I want more. Well, I feel like we have to couch this a little bit because there has been pushback in the past around like, look, there's just frankly 
people who don't have time to go work on side projects and think about design all of the time. Mm -hmm. But I also don't think that that's necessarily what we're saying, that you have to think about design all the time. I I think like to your point, someone who is just wondering why things are the way they are or like loves to point out, like they're always noticing things as they go about their day. Like, Mm -hmm. oh, that was weird. I wonder why. Like, let me talk about it with somebody. But honestly, I think it can be even more superficial than that. I would say this is like the lowest rung of like proof of curiosity. But I like to see what people are tweeting about, which is dangerous. You know, like tweeting shouldn't be a requirement for a job. Some Uh people tweet dumb shit. But like if I go on your Twitter profile and I learn something new, I'm like, okay, this is a person who is like exploring things that I will learn from. And like being around this person, hopefully like if that pattern continues, it's just by osmosis, I will also become a more learned person. So I think tweeting is fine, right? And that feels like a low bar. Mm-hmm. And just try not to be exclusionary of people who don't have time to like be creating artifacts of stuff that isn't necessarily applicable to their day job. Mm-hmm. Your individual circumstances may may change this. But I also appreciate people who, I guess I would call this proof of curiosity, where they follow up on ideas or advice or conversation, like I guess more thematically, just like how to stand out as a, as a human. I'll talk to a lot of like new designers to the industry and we'll just talk about design, talk about things, give some ideas, critique a side project. Mm-hmm. And 99% of the time people don't follow up. Mm. They like just go off and, and do their thing. Maybe I'm just a shitty person to talk to, but once in a while, someone will reply and be like, hey, we had this conversation. I don't know if you remember it. It was like two years ago. By the way, I went and tried and did this thing. And here's what I learned. And I love Mm. that feedback loop. I love knowing that some conversation I had with somebody at some point in time caused them to learn something that they relayed back to me. And so then I learned something. I had like my own feedback loop on the conversation. Mm. And ideally, like they're bringing something novel that you know, I didn't have time to try, but we had a conversation about something and they went and tried it. That is like another another example here of just like they're hungry for answers in this space. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. This is maybe a bad idea to call out a specific example, but I have this Twitter account that I followed recently that I'm obsessed with. This person, I don't know anything about this person, except I feel like they embody this spirit of like proof of curiosity. This person on Twitter is called Neil Sardese, I could be pronouncing that totally wrong. And Neil's tweets, they, they're just play. They're just pure play with design and programming, messing around with macOS. One of the recent tweets is, what if the macOS Big Sur control center that comes down from the menu bar what if that had existed on Windows XP yeah. and they mocked it up in Windows XP style? Yeah, I'm looking at it right now. It's great. And this is perfect for me. Like this, this isn't even about solving a problem. This is just like, oh, Windows XP like had an aesthetic. I wonder what would happen if we took modern like interaction design and new things in macOS and just applied this other veneer on it. Wouldn't that be weird? And then mm-hmm. they just go and do it. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> yeah, this is, doesn't have a point. But it is kind of fun. It's interesting. So every tweet, like honestly, every tweet is just something that I'm like, I would have never thought to try that. Uh, like another one that's cool is they created like a, a zoetrope, which is like a moving image, you know, just by moving frame by frame of a horse running. Uh, but it's using a drop down 
and he's just holding the down arrow to like <laughs> select the options where each incremental selection is the horse moving a frame, right? Do you see that tweet? <laughs> yep, I found it. Yeah. It's great. So anyways, I don't know. I guess I'm fanboying, but I guess the, the point that I'm trying to make here is like, it doesn't even have to be proof of curiosity in search of truth or mm-hmm. in search of meaning. It can be proof of curiosity in the spirit of just playfulness. Yeah. And like, what if this crazy thing... This guy can't turn it off. Yeah, I can't turn it off. Like, you just get the sense that this person can't stop thinking about this stuff. Mm-hmm. I find that kind of energy just contagious to be around. Mm-hmm. I want to work with these people. They make me better. Yeah, yeah. So, one thing we mentioned last week, which might be a nice way for us to end this year. Last week, we talked about learning in public which is, I don't know, a movement. Like that has become a phrase that is going around on Twitter. Sean Wang, Swix, evangelized this idea, which is all about publicly documenting things as you learn them, as you go, and treating a blog post not as a final artifact, but rather uh, an evolving artifact that you might update regularly over time. Other people have called this like digital gardening or, or building your digital garden. Like you have these ideas and you just plant the seeds out in the open and then you learn and you sort of tend to that garden. You water one idea here, you pluck a weed here as you're going. Mm -hmm. And I love these metaphors and just like the way of shifting the mindset from everything I publish on the internet has to be this beautiful, gorgeous, final artifact that will represent me and my work and my ideas. But rather, no, like here's this crazy thing. I'm going to just throw it out there as I'm thinking about it, as I'm exploring the space. And as I learn more and my, my opinions change, I'll edit it and keep a record of that. And over time, like the artifacts that accumulate just from that process are pretty overwhelming. And just to look at that, you can just see this person has a crazy momentum behind them and their ideas and the way they try and just improve their thought processes. So yeah, I think the barrier to learning in public and demonstrating this proof is a lot lower than people think. It's like, no, no, no. write a tweet length blog post once a week and then just edit that over and over and over again as you refine the thought Mm -hmm. i think that's that's also adequate i like it good good idea for a topic brian thanks well done i'll I'll figure out how to spin this into a blog post maybe this this conversation will be the final nudge across the finish line yeah eight point nudge Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. cool things cool things all right i have a relatively like work related cool thing this week brian so this is um a voting system called Fist to Five. And what's cool about it, the link in the show notes for a full example of this thing, but what's cool about it is it's a voting system that works really well over video chat. So as long as everybody's camera's on, you can do a really relatively granular voting system that just involves you holding up a hand with a number of fingers showing, either zero, fist, or up to five. And the way that works out is when you include zero, rather than just going one to five, when you include zero, there is no middle ground. There's no fence sitting. So you have three negative votes and three positive votes. Zero is like, no way. I want to block this. This is a bad thing. We shouldn't move forward with it. One is like, I see major issues that we got to fix before we go forward with this thing. Two is I see minor issues that we need to fix before we move forward with this thing. Three is I see minor issues, but we can do this. Four is, I'm cool with it as it is. And five is, I love it, let's do it, right? Which is, I think, a really great way to split up voting. It gives you a clear indication of like no and how much no, or yes Mm -hmm. and how much yes, 
without having to say a word, and everybody understands the system. I just thought it was really so have clever. You, have, you've done this in a meeting? You've integrated this into your process? I haven't had a chance to use it yet, but I, I do plan to. So I'll report back to, to let you know how it goes. So how did you come across this? My manager sent it to me. Oh, okay. Yeah, I've been doing some like sprints and workshops recently, and you know, you got to vote on stuff sometimes. And I think he ran across it and sent it my way, knowing that I would have a chance to use it. So... I haven't quite yet, but I'm, I'm sharing it with all of y'all because I thought it was a cool idea that I'd never heard of. We'll do a follow-up. Do it at least once this week, and we'll talk about it on Monday. Okay. Cool. Cool thing. Thanks. What's your cool all thing, right. Brian? So here we are on a Saturday night, chilling at Marshall's house, trying to figure out what movie to watch, uh-huh. scrolling through the list. And along comes this delightful little film. <laughs> That neither of us have seen before, mm-hmm. but we'd heard good things. It's one of those, it's like, oh yeah, I heard everyone loved that. I just haven't gotten around to watching it. Mm-hmm. And that little film is called Paddington. Uh-huh. And gosh dang it, if that ain't the cutest little movie. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I hear Paddington 2 is better, so that's coming up. We'll yeah, have to yeah. watch that soon. But uh, Paddington, I mean, it's a kid's movie, but it's got lots of winks and nods and like we were laughing and yeah, I, legitimately guffawing. Yeah, we were like spotting all the little things, right? Like, uh-huh. oh, look at that. That's a nice touch. That like, no kid will get that, but we're, we're invested in finding the little Easter eggs, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So it's good, good movie. Yeah. If anyone, if anyone needs like a positive vibes movie night. Yeah, very wholesome. Yes. All right. Well, this has been episode three hundred and ninety-eight. We hope you enjoyed it. Let us know what you thought. We're on Twitter as always at Design Details FM. Tweet at us, DM us. Uh, if you have a topic or question that you'd like us to discuss in a future episode, be sure to let us know on GitHub, github.com slash design details slash design details, open an issue, and we will see it and, and uh, try to cover it in a future episode. If you enjoyed this episode and the topic and you want to hear more and get some bonus content, consider supporting us. If you go to patreon.com slash design details, you can support the show for just a buck a month. Just a buck a month. And in return, you'll get access to bonus segments every week called The Sidebar. Sidebar, sidebar. This week's sidebar, we talk about the hierarchy of helpfulness, a.k.a. how to level up in your job. So if you want to hear that, past sidebars, future sidebars, that's all at patreon.com slash design details. Thanks to our new VIPs, very important pixels. Welcome to the fam this week. Welcome. And that's it. See you next week. Bye. My cousin came over and hung out last night, and I mentioned that we had watched Paddington. I think he's going to join us for movie nights moving forward. Okay. Uh, so I was like, okay, you got to do your homework. You got to watch Paddington so you can be caught up yeah. on the lore so that when you watch yeah. Paddington 2, we're not have to explain anything. You know? <laughs>